Well, it's great delight to uh, introduce uh, Fiona Brennan-Scott to uh, today's interview through their eyes. So hello, Fiona. How are you doing? Hello, David. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you very much. So I'm looking forward to this. We'll spend some time talking to Fiona about her career, what she's learned along the way, how she's developed herself and how she's future proofed herself. I'm sure she's got lots of uh, stories to tell us uh, of what's gone well and perhaps what hasn't gone so well and where she's learned along the way and where she's perhaps got some really good advice. And then to finish off with, it'd be really interesting to find out from Fiona how you see the future and continuing your development and future-proofing yourself. So the first question is, if you could just give us a, a, a brief overview of your career to date. Thank you. So I'm going to say career starts when you start doing what you want to do, as opposed to the jobs you do from your teenage years, Yeah. which we don't even want to talk about what we, what we had to do to earn extra money. I guess after university, my first job was in South Africa. I did various, it was in South Africa in 1990, they still had separate job columns for women and men, believe it or not. Frightening, I know. And because I had done marketing administration and one of my subjects was computer information systems, they immediately tried to push me into those kind of jobs, administration roles. And I didn't have a driver's license because I'd used public transport in Ireland. And it took me a while to get into my ideal career, but I learned a lot of skills. I learned a lot of people skills and how offices work and politics, what they don't teach you at Harvard. So my <laughs> first ideal job was in international marketing in, in South Africa in a company near the airport. And it was the Siemens Vescom joint venture. Everyone knows Siemens. And that was amazing. I had some great people to work with and to learn from. And we specialized in the French and Spanish speaking world. And then I studied to become a speech and drama teacher because I'd started a family and tried to burn the candle at both ends with being the perfect career person and being the perfect mother. And <laughs> yeah, just yeah when that nearly drove me crazy so i started studying on top of that started studying to become a speech and drama teacher because i've always had a, a passion for drama and speech and this stage skills that can help you in life and i opened my first speech and drama studio in the year 2000 so i'm actually celebrating my 20th anniversary this wow. year congratulations thank you and that was amazing. That was really amazing. And I was very fortunate to be able to, to do 25 hours a week in my marketing job while I started interviewing for my studio and I taught children, preteens, teenagers and adults and had private students as well. But my focus was always on life skills, not on preparing people to be great actors on the stage and screen because those are highly transferable skills and drama is the best place. My thesis had been on multiple intelligence theory and how drama is the ideal vehicle for developing those awesome skills of interpersonal, intrapersonal, creative, spatial, all of those skills that can really help you thrive, cultural skills in the workplace. And, 
I guess I carried on that in the UK. So I re I rebranded, um, went from Blarney Studio to Mad Studio, making a difference. And about three and a half, four years ago, I realized that my real passion was communication skills with adults mostly. And I've been doing that as bespoken for the yeah. last three and a half years and also doing corporate training as part of that. Yeah, and brilliant. This year I launched myself as a keynote speaker, but there's very little opportunity for that, as you know. <laughs> Is that the case? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> and all the way through that, what's your sort of self-development meant to you? Have you always been conscious of constantly developing yourself? Yes, studying. So it took me five years to get fully qualified because I went and had two more ch additional children. It took me five years to get all the qualifications from Trinity College London to become a speech and drama teacher. And it was a 70% pass mark for those exams. So that that rigor of, of studying to a very high level is something that stays with you. And whenever, when you're working with young people, you're constantly being challenged by what you know and what you don't know. And then when I went into the training realm three and a half years ago, I had, I, I almost feel like there's a four to one ratio where I need to know four times as much as what I'm delivering. So that if somebody, a trainee asks a question that I don't know the answer to, I can say with confidence, I actually don't know, but I can find out. Yeah. So it's not because I didn't try. It's not because I don't know stuff. It's because nobody knows everything, but at least I'll have that good, broad knowledge and I'll probably have an opinion. Yeah, brilliant. I'm sure you had an opinion on most of those things. Yeah. So with regards to your career, is there anything you wish you'd have known at the start? You know, with hindsight, you know, yeah. Looking yes. back. Yeah. One word comes out, negotiation skills. Tell us more. So I don't know if you've come across the Jennifer Lawrence article when there was a WikiLeaks and it came out that she earned less than her male counterparts in Hunger Games. And she's she was she was also making a big deal of it. She said, Look, I'm I'm earning quite handsomely, but actually I didn't negotiate. And if I look back on my job offers that I got over the years, I didn't have the confidence to ask. So my, my parents were both self-employed. We had four businesses as I was growing up. So it never got discussed at the dinner table. My dad also passed away when I was 14. So I think if he had he been there, he would have been the sort of person I would have phoned up and, and discussed it with maybe. But nobody ever taught us that and i think that females i think it's statistically shown that females don't negotiate the same way that that men do we don't value ourselves maybe in financial terms so much so i guess my dad was amazing he taught us to save and he taught us to be wise about money but negotiation skills never came up yeah and I think about the jobs where they offered me a lower price than the top price that was available, the top salary. And I would accept it because I wanted the job. 
And I look yeah. back now and think, actually, if they chose me and they wanted me, they probably would have gone for more. And I do think it's something they need to teach in schools. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it, yeah, I must say, it's always a difficult one. Uh, I sometimes walk away and think, mm. <laughs> but then again, if, I, if I'm going to go and enjoy the piece of work, I think, yeah, but I'm going to enjoy it. So it doesn't matter where, no, that isn't perhaps always the best approach. So uh, I think, yeah, we can all learn a little bit more from that. And let's just go back to your speech and drama. Where did that passion come from? Where, where's the love? When did that first start? Oh, um, growing up in Ireland, we were taken to the theatre four times a year. So the local dramatic society had two musicals a year and the town 13 miles away had two musicals a year and we i sat in the audience and grew up on oliver and fiddler on the roof west side story oklahoma <laughs> so it just i found it enchanting and then when i was a teenager i started seeing theater that was non-musical which is my favorite kind yeah and i was a founder member of the Gable School Theatre in Clonmel, which was founded by Mary Cummings, who was a director, one of the directors at the St. Mary's Choral Society, as it was called. And I don't know. Yeah, my, 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 I think my mom was loved drama growing up, but she never was involved in it apart from watching when we yeah. were growing up. My yeah. dad was very much into opera. So it was just our culture, I guess. Yeah, okay, I love that. Um, now, on some previous uh, interviews I've had, I've had Michaela um, um, uh, talking about the transferring of what she's learned from her yoga into business. I've had Jane talk about her, her brilliant hockey career and how she's transferred that into business. Um, we, all, we both know Nick and his black belt thinking, which I must say, uh, I'm always promoting his book because I particularly like that, and about how he's uh, used martial arts into business. When did you realise that you could use the wonderful world of, um, of speech and drama and transfer that into business? Well, so I went to business college and I was over a pint of Guinness in a Dublin pub where all the best decisions are made. <laughs> I founded the Drama Society in the college with two guys. And so I guess it ran concurrently from way back then. I guess, you know what? Learning stuff and knowing stuff and having skills of business is all very well, but if you can't communicate them, you may as well be whistling in the wind. That's a nice phrase. So I think, I think it's always been that awareness of the need to communicate what you've got. Yeah. In a way, the, 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 the more interesting question for me is, is how my business, my 10 years in the corporate world, helped me in, in becoming a speech and drama teacher because all of the people at the time in South Africa where I graduated were people who'd been on stage and then they became teachers and none of them had business acumen, none of them had business right. skills. So the, the year I, I started my studio, I was asked to be 
and the speaker at the annual convention of the Speech and Drama Teachers Guild. And I was amazed. And it was, how do you market a speech and drama studio? And I realized that they didn't have those skills, even though they were 20 or 30 years older mm -hmm. than me. They didn't know how to run it as a business. And the yeah. one question at the end was, how do you avoid bad debts? I hadn't even thought about it wow. because from yeah. day one, I'd interviewed the kids with their parents. So the parents saw me. I guess they bought into me. And I never, ever even had to think about it. Yeah. So, and I, and I think probably taking that back into the business world and specializing in the business world, I never left the business world because it was always about transferable skills that will help you in life. Yes, yes. And, and parents wanted their kids to come to me because they wanted them to have more confidence in yeah. life. Yeah. Um, there, there are only a couple of kids. I mean, one guy in South Africa who, who's a film actor now, but apart from that, everyone is in business and doing well in business because of the skills they've learned with me. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And obviously that's where your passion and your, your great strengths follows through. But during your, you know, your early years coming out of university, doing lots of different jobs that you didn't want to mention, and then working for a big multinational, did you always th think, I want to work for myself though and do my own thing? That's a great question. I, I did have a sense that I was a bit of a, a round peg in a square hole. I guess the culmination of that was when I was, so I was in international marketing and I was the only, my boss was often out of the country and I was the only person in international marketing at a board meeting. And there was a, it wasn't a board meeting, but it was a big company meeting and it always had only men. It was an engineering company, male dominated. And I was the most obvious person to go and represent the international market. But, South Africa is was way behind in terms yeah. of equality. Yeah. And they the national marketing manager was going to go in and represent me and and I questioned him and I said, Really, I can I can do it. Good for but, you. And he said, No, I'll be fine. And then he couldn't make it, so I had to be there. And at one point I sat there and I said to myself, Don't say anything just shut up and wait till it's your turn and I lost it really well but they had given an opportunity at one stage when there was a huge order for the local ESCOM the electricity supply board for people in the company to work in the factory and I jumped at the chance because I'll always try something new always ready to learn so I worked on the assembly line and whenever I went down after that to, to see how my orders were going the small orders for South America and whatever, they always greeted me and I got on great with them and I got to chat to the, the line managers and everything. And in the meeting, they were talking about, they were dissing the people in the factory and saying, you know, that their sick days, they were taking too many sick days and water, water, water. And I just got tired of listening to this and I said, sorry, may I just say something? There's an old Greek proverb that says a fish rots from the head down 
And then I went on to explain that actually the problem wasn't the people on the line in the factory. The problem was the critical path where when the parts weren't being ordered and they were sitting doing nothing on the line because the parts weren't there, they, did, they lost the motivation to be at yeah. work because yeah. they would travel all the way from the townships and sit and do nothing for a day or half a day. But the people in the meeting, because I'd used that eloquent quotation, and they were all managers, some of them exploded, some of them imploded, and the reaction wasn't that great. But actually, the guy who was the director of process engineering, when people had calmed down, turned around and said, Fiona's actually right, because that is where the problem is. It's, yeah. it's at the supply it's in the supply chain. It's not down at the bottom. And it worked out. But I think from that moment on, I realized this is a huge battle. I was actually five months pregnant with my second child at that stage as well. And I was thinking, this is, this is a very big battle to fight, to have an equal voice with these people. And I guess I always knew, my, my dad and mom being self-employed, I realized that actually running my own business was where I, where I wanted to be. That I, as I said to the MD um, at one stage, I feel like a flea in a jam jar, which is also a little bit too colorful and evocative for an engineering director, because I feel like I can't get beyond a certain point. Yeah. And he said that was nonsense and that was rubbish, but actually it was true. And I, I, I loved it. I really loved it. But it was just such hard work. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know what? I'd rather just do my own thing and create my own success. I like that. Yeah. And you are quite assertive and have some slight maverick tendencies anyway, don't you? Do I? I, I? I think you do. I've never heard that before. What yes, makes you, you say that, David? <laughs> Tell me, that, what makes you say that? Well, you always have breath of fresh air. You always, you know, at certain meetings we've been to, you're the one that sort of will stick your hand up and sort of challenge the way things are. And I like that. It's what I call elbows out. Um, and we need a little bit more about that in, 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 in our world. And people go, no, that's not right. We should be this way. And mm. saying that as it is, you, you cut to the chase. You don't sort of... Um, yeah, you just get on and say, and I think a lot of people respect you for that, which I think is, is, is really important. So I hope, that... I hope I do that with a certain amount of humility and compassion because I, you know, I was, it was 1990 when I went to South Africa and I wasn't going to go because of apartheid and I was invited and told, come and find out for yourself. Yeah. And I just have found over the years that when you don't like the way things are, and I also went to an Irish Catholic convent school, when you don't like the way things are, you can suck it up and probably get sick in years to come because you've internalized so much. You can fight and rail and shout and scream and probably not achieve anything. But what I've learned with maturity is if you don't like something, question it and what I found most effective in South Africa around in an environment that was quite racist um, was to just look at people and say really uh. as opposed to saying nothing and letting it pass it had more power to just pause and question 
and I guess that's pretty much, I just think life is too short and there's a lot that's not right with the world. And I guess I'm happy to, to question that and to try and be the change I want to see, but also to challenge people who are not helping. Brilliant. As I, I love that. No, good for you. You crack on. So that's been wonderful in terms of what's happened in the past. So what next for Fiona in terms of, you know, continuing to, to move your business forward, continue to enjoy it um, and continue to develop and future proof yourself? OK, I've got a few things in the a few irons in the fire. I'm, as you may know, because you are a fellow member of the Professional Speaking <laughs> Association, I am entering Speaker Factor next week on Thursday evening and talking about what I love most and what I do best and for an audience that is my main target market. So that's a five minute talk, which is extremely difficult yeah. for me to contain myself to five minutes of talking. So that's the biggest challenge. And I, I hope to win it. That's, you know, one has got to- In it to win my, it. In it to win it. I'm also designing, so I've been doing webinars and workshops online. And my hope is that I'm going to put all my material online and put it on a platform and make it available to people who can study it. And it's something that's been in the pipeline for a year, but I think one good thing to come out of COVID-19 and lockdown is that we have become desensitized to online platforms and people are probably going to be more likely to buy into it. And I've been a lot more um, quick to jump on a a Zoom call or a a Skype meeting with people where I prefer face to face. So I, I want to make my courses available out there. And the other thing I've done actually is I've always had advice and somebody good counsel from people I admire and respect and I've been doing Nancy Klein's time to think her philosophy of coaching over the last two and a half years because if I call myself a coach I want a qualification to back it up and I'm as a result of that I've had someone I do thinking time with in two different countries and we speak every week and we do thinking time together, but I've never actually had a paid for business coach. And I've done that for the first time this year. And with him, I'm hoping to be much more focused and future focused in terms of planning. So I've I've done a couple of 90 day workshops this year, which is, which have been helpful, but, the bottom line is I've, I, I'm, I'm also very fortunate to be part of an accountability group with five other people and we meet every month. But I've realized that what I need is the accountability to an individual on a weekly basis in between times to yeah. really to put spurs on me in a way to just make me do stuff that I will procrastinate with because I love what I do that's client facing but it's the stuff around it that you know I need that person to question me and challenge me just talk us through the accountability group how does that work in a nutshell yeah I'm I'm part of a, a networking group and six of us form and have formed an accountability group about two years ago we meet once a month 
and it's a, it's a thinking time environment where we each report back for 10 minutes on our business on where we're up to and there's some kpis that we have our highs our lows our challenges our plans to face the challenges and then for over an hour one person's in the hot seat so we rotate who's in the hot seat every month and that person gets to bring a problem or a challenge that they have and we we do a round of clarifying questions and then we do a round of questions to help them think brilliant and to move forward yeah. with it yeah. if anybody watching this or listening to this on the podcast this is such a brilliant idea um because you you do you get people from different slightly different businesses giving each other advice and it, you know you do challenge each other and, and and you get each other to think so much differently than you would if you just do it on your own or dare i say it if you've just got one person giving you advice or coaching you um i've always called it a mastermind group but accountability group i think it's just such a great idea um and would recommend that and also just talk us through a little bit about the thinking time with people you said you know um in in, in other yeah. countries H how does that work so it was that i started doing it at henley business school and most of the people were english but it just happened that i had two partners that are eastern european and one in ireland uh, we just we so the, there are 10 components to a thinking environment and there's a website time to think.com if people want to look up um what those components are and it's about believing that a person is the author of their own best solutions mm. most people don't take advice most people don't like receiving advice unless they ask for it but actually if we ask people good questions that bring them to the edges of their thinking and beyond they're more likely to act on their own thinking and given the right environment and atmosphere in which to think and given the right amount of attention we can think really, really well. And so it's about listening. It's about giving our full attention to a person. It's about embodying those 10 components of a thinking environment and trusting that a person will get to where they need to be in the time. And currently I just do, we do 10 minutes each way. And it's amazing. I don't plan beforehand what I'm going to think about, but when I'm asked that initial question, what would you like to think about today? And what are your thoughts? The thing I need to unravel and unpick will come to the forefront of my mind. And by the end of those 10 minutes, I will be in a, I will have an action. I will have a, a decision of, of what to do next or of how to be. And it's so incredibly powerful. And Brilliant. it starts and ends with appreciation because appreciation and a positive environment helps us to think better. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Brilliant. I love those two ideas. So that's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for this, Fiona. Um, so I love the, the transformation from the business environment to the speech and drama and how you've, you've, you've gone on that journey. I love the thought about, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Do we negotiate 
as much as we should do, um, especially when we're sort of uh, pitching for a piece of work. I think that's all for something to think for us to think about. But I think, yeah, your ideas as well, you know, for the future in terms of the accountability group and the thinking time, I think we can all take a lot away from that because there's lots of answers around us and also within us, as you say, but we don't necessarily go and explore, explore them. So I think they're really, really important topics. So thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed this. Um, really, really good uh, 30 minutes we've had sort of uh, discussing these ideas. So thank you very much for your time. And um, I'll put, uh, so anybody watching this, we'll put uh, Fiona's details down in the YouTube box um, where we put everyone's uh, contact details. And if you are looking for that uh, speech and drama coach, um, you know, we'll, we'll have Fiona's details there and you can get in contact with her. And um, I'm not a speech and drama coach anymore, so that's okay. Don't worry. It's a voice and speech coach. I do presentation skills, interview skills, effective communication skills and a thinking time environment, both one-to-one -one in a training room and also keynote speaking on a subject that's related to that. Brilliant. That's fine. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me. That's a pleasure. No, great, great to see you. And I look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, I think. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you.